Hello and welcome back to Podcast Interference. You join me, Connor, and I'm with Jack as always. How are you today, Jack? I'm very good. Feels like a lifetime since the last one, but absolutely buzzing for this one. Yeah, yeah, it's... Uh... It, it has passed. Time has passed uh, quite <laughs> quite slowly, weirdly. Um, I guess we're just eager to hear any news on anything that might be happening in the world of NFL, but it's that sort of dreary, dreary <laughs> dry spell where not very much happens at the minute, so apart from rumours about Aaron Rodgers. Um, so, yeah, so it's good to be back. So this, I suppose, is a bit of a bonus feature, given that we've had quite a lot of uh, feedback from people saying, you know, we... We've really enjoyed what we understand of the podcast, but we've never actually played fantasy before. So we thought that we'd would put together a little bit of a a fancy one hundred and one guide to to how to get into it and how everything works for anybody who's not interested. So if you're an avid Dynasty fan or an avid fantasy fan already, this will be a bit of a, a sort of sucking eggs exercise. So you might <laughs> not want to listen, but you never know. You might pick up on something that you'd not really considered before. So yeah, we've got a few a few things to discuss. So yeah, if you're new to if you're new to fantasy, then by all means keep listening and we'll we'll try and give you as much advice on getting yourself set up as we possibly can. So I guess the first thing to start with is probably positions. And assuming that, that you know you have some level of knowledge of the NFL, this is fairly straightforward. But for people who, like me, when I first started, I had no idea how anything worked. Uh, positions is, is an important place to begin, so that you can understand how positions work and how the <laughs> how the points work. Um, so, is there anything that you'd like to uh, any nuggets of wisdom before we crack on with with this, Jack, from yourself? No, no, I think um, yeah, I think positions is a perfect place to start, and then the points is 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 good as well. I think, like you said, I, I only had very few friends who liked liked fantasy football. I think I was sort of the driving force that got everyone involved in it, but it's sort of just taken off from there. Um, and I think this episode will really give people the knowledge to hopefully start their own leagues. Yeah, yeah, touch wood. Um, it'll be it'll be somewhat useful. So I guess. Yeah, we'll start with kind of a, the the standard uh, format, I suppose. So in, yeah. in the usual format, you're, you're looking at a single quarterback on your lineup, your, your starting lineup, that is. Two running backs, two wide receivers, usually a flex. So that's you can choose between a wide receiver and a running back at that position. Uh, a tight end, a kicker, and a defense. So that's the usual setup there are nuances to that you know you can have different things so within our dynasty league we have a super flex position which is you know you can choose a quarterback tight end running back or wide receiver in that position uh, most people choose a quarterback um, so there are nuances but but the the initial one that i read out there that was that's the usual uh sort of layout and it's kind of important to know the differences between each of those positions yeah, 100%. I think, like you said, that tends to be the, the default uh, default amount of positions. Like I said, you can change it depending on your preferences and leagues. But I think it's really important to understand, you know, the positions and how, how each position scores differently um, if you are to succeed. Exactly, yeah. So I guess we, we should probably dive into points uh, next. I don't know if you want to, to run through the points, Jack, given that you're... Uh, our league's commissioner, Happily. at least, so you have a very, a very strong understanding <laughs> of how all of this works. Yeah, I think if we if we start off with uh, with quarterback, then and again, I think like uh, like Connor said, the points tend to be to be very similar. Uh, if you jump league to league, obviously you can change it to pretty much anything you want, but the ones I'll go through now tend to be the the standard. 
Um, so with quarterback, um, first thing is you would get for every 25 yards is one point, uh, which equates to 0 0.04 basically yards. Um, and then with a passing touchdown, you get four points. Two point conversion is two points. You lose two points if your quarterback is intercepted. And then that's where I usually leave it. You can also include things for pass attempts, quarterback sacks, bonus points for long throws and long touchdowns. But that tends to be the the normal. Yeah, so it's, so that's the kind of key key points there, as, as Jack just mentioned, that there can be uh, additional points for other things. And uh, I know we use Sleeper is our is the app that we use for our dynasty, and and it does give you a very uh, detailed breakdown of all the points that you can have. I mean, I think sometimes I think we had have in our league if uh, if a quarterback throws over three hundred yards, for instance, you get an extra point for for things like that as well. So. There's all kinds of different points, but but the the key ones are obviously uh, passing yards and and if the quarterback rushes uh, any rushing yards, which I guess we'll jump onto running back because some of the points carry over from the running back position to quarterback in that case. Yes, they do. Correct. So with a with a running back, uh, you receive one point per ten yards. Um, you receive six points if they get a touchdown. Again, two points for a two point conversion. Um, as Connor said, that does cross over into quarterback somewhat as well, because uh, if a quarterback does rush for a touchdown, they get six points as well, um, which obviously is why rushing quarterbacks are so sought after at draft level. I mean, <laughs> yeah, Lamar Jackson being quite a, quite a, a key member currently uh, of that particular category. And then I guess we move on to, to wide receivers. Yeah, receivers, yeah. I mean, very similar to running back. It's Again, it's 10, 10 yards uh, for a point six to get in the end zone, two for a two-point conversion. Um, I guess the thing we'll bring up now with receiving um, and what we've done uh, the last couple of years is is points per reception, which obviously includes running backs as well. So you do get a point for every reception as well, which I think is a good thing. Um, it wasn't something our league started in, um, but it just means some players become more valuable and it just adds a different level to, to I think, the draft and the, the matchups in general. Yeah, you, you have to be careful how you approach your drafting uh, technique, yeah. I think. And, and it's if you do join a a fancy league, be very clear <laughs> when you join that you, you ask <laughs> up front, you know, is this a PPR <laughs> league or not? Because if it is PPR, then players can be drafted quite wildly in different places. So yeah. a good example is uh, Chargers running back Austin Eckler. So Austin Eckler is, is good from a, a perspective in, you know, he, he catches a lot of passes so so you know justin herbert especially being his quarterback i'm very looking forward to next year having him on my team but um <laughs> because he's so prolific in the in sort of the, the catch and run game he is much more highly rated and regarded in yeah. ppr to what he would be in standard in because standard. you know although he's catching the balls he's not getting a point per catch so he's he's not as valuable to uh, from a running back point of view so you'd probably draft somebody else um, you know players like Derrick Henry, that they are they are more more prestigious, I guess, in just a flat standard league, yeah. because they don't uh, make as many catches. Whereas, as I say, the likes of Austin Eckler work their way up uh, just by virtue of the fact that they're they're great pass catchers and it, it makes them more valuable. So, definitely, probably key piece of advice if you are joining a league, if you are starting a league. Be very yeah. clear that that league is either PPR or not. You can get 0.5 PPR as well, so like half PPR, yeah. um, which kind of is a bit of a middle ground for the two of them. 
So that's half a point for a catch, which is quite rare, that one. You don't see many people actually going for that, although I can see why that's quite valuable because it doesn't lean too heavily into the into the yeah, pass one catching way or the game. other. Yeah. Exactly. Um I guess tight end position is very similar to wide receiver really, isn't it? It's uh you know, you're kind of looking at, at similar pointage. Uh yeah, yeah tight end's exactly the same as receiver, yeah, still still ten yards for um a point and then six in the end zone. Um I think the biggest thing to say about tight ends is you know, they're not high-volume, like, reception guys. I think the biggest thing with tight ends is you do want one that does get in the end zone because they're not going to catch, you know, 10, 15 balls a game. Unless they're Travis Kelsey. Well, yeah, uh, true. There's always the exception. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then we move on to, I guess, kickers. So kickers and defence are very... I suppose they're the most radically different out of out of all the other positions. Yeah, yeah, you're 100 percent right. There is a, there's a lot of different sort of um, point variances in the kicker, so I'll um, I'll run through those now. So for a, for a made field goal, um, you do get points. the The points vary on the yardage. Um, so for example, a field goal up to 19 yards is three points. Um, it's the same for 20 to 29 and 30 for 39. But then beyond that, once the kicker's kicking 40 yards to 49, it's four points. Or for a 50-plus yarder, you get a five points, as well as one for an extra point made. You can also set this up differently. For example, in our Dynasty League, you do lose a point for a field goal or, a, or an extra point missed, which I think adds something to it as well. But again, kickers you don't really draft too highly anyway. But, I mean, I always try and go for one with a fairly big leg, because a 50-yard field goal for five points is invaluable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a difference-making. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, the, uh, kickers, it's quite a fickle position as well because they rely so heavily upon the team and um, there, there are a few good kickers out there that while they may be a good kicker in and of themselves, if the team is, is quite likely to be a bit more you know filled with mavericks and they're more likely to just to try and get that yeah. first down when they're, on, uh, when they're on their fourth down, then... You know, usually you'd want to go to your kicker on fourth down, but yeah. you know, last year I remember having a lot of issues with uh, <laughs> with with the Ravens just trying to get that that first trying down. to get the extra yeah, uh, <laughs> and you lose quite a lot of points from that. And the same as well when when scoring touchdowns, you know, some teams are more likely to be brave and go for that two point conversion. So mm-hmm. it's good to to take note of what kind of team you are picking a kicker from. And the as well as the individual qualities of the kicker, because you might have the best kicker in the NFL, but if their team isn't going to employ their use, then uh, yeah. there's not you know you're better drafting someone who's quite might not be as as technically proficient, but they are more likely to have a have a go basically. Yeah, uh, and then finally we have defense, which is another yeah <laughs> uh, head scratching and a frustrating position. <laughs> Yeah, defence is a is an interesting one. Um, I mean, flicking through it, there's about thirty or forty different sort of pointages you can set yourself. But I'll just run through sort of the basic ones. Um, so with your defence, yeah, you'll get six points for a defensive touchdown, which again is always a massive boost. You gotta love it when that happens. And then you get varying amounts of points for how many points the defence allows. So if they um, shut a team out, you get ten points. Between one and six points allowed is seven points. 7 to 13 would get you 4 points, 14 to 20 would get you 1 point, and then after that, 21 to 27 would be 0, but beyond that you start losing points. So 28 to 34, 
you take a point off, and 35 plus allowed by your defence, you take four off. So the defence is a position that you can really net a lot of points in. As well as the points for the points allowed, you also get stuff like a point for a sack, two for an interception or a fumble recovery, as well as two for a safety, uh, and two for a forced fumble as well. So the defence is an interesting one. There's lots of different factors, but you can get a lot of points off them. For example, a couple of years ago, the Patriots' defence just ended up scoring 15 to 20 points every single week. <laughs> yeah, they were crazy. They were as good as a, as a decent player. In yeah, the position, they were. Which... It was mental. Yeah, so, that, so they're the key positions. So I guess they all have um, different ways of, of generating points. Some positions are far more key than others. So as you probably can tell uh, from the way we were talking about them, the kicker position and the defence position, neither are as important as any of the other positions. And no. thus... <laughs> You don't want to be uh, drafting those positions really any any earlier than the sort of twelfth round, but we'll get onto that onto drafting shortly. So now you have an idea as to the as to the points gained per position. I guess we should go on to the number of teams and how that's an important thing to consider when you're joining a a, a league. Yeah, yeah, this is a this is a massive one for me. Um, I mean. If you consider in our sort of regular league, we're at, we're at 14 teams in our league, 14 players. In Dynasty, we're in 10. And I think, I think to be honest, that is the sweet spot. You know, between 10 and 14 is good. I think once you get beyond 14, um, as an example, I've got a league I'm in, which is 18. Um, and wow. I, just, I just think that the drafting isn't quite as strong. You know, when you're looking at your third and fourth round pick and pretty much all the good players have gone, your team just isn't as strong at the end of it and, you, and you're relying really heavily on, you know, waivers and injuries and stuff every week. So I think 10 to 14 is the sweet spot. 14, the absolute max for me. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. I think you do you do occasionally get eight-team leagues, but yeah. I think with, with with just eight teams, it's it's very high-caliber players on, on every team. Yeah. So it, it, it's, more, it's more tricky, I think, to, to anticipate who's going to pull away and be the be the champion uh, just by virtue of the fact that they, there are so many good players on each team it, it's yeah. very situational and strength of schedule plays a massive part in, in the, that kind of uh, draft I think uh, just because you know if you've got a really good player and someone else has a really good player you want to have a player who has an easier an easier year than the other I guess so it, it gets more it almost gets more complicated I think the fewer players you have just because you have to be so careful who you choose yeah, I would completely agree, yeah. So then the next thing that we're going to discuss is potentially one of the most important things, and that's drafting. So drafting, forgive me if I'm uh, explaining the obvious here, is where you choose your team. So <laughs> I, I know a lot of, uh, quite a few of our listeners are probably um, familiar with the sort of fancy Premier League setup, where you pretty much just all have the practically the same team with a few <laughs> key differences and everybody <laughs> just copies each other to try and keep the you know if someone pulls away and, and is leading they just have the same team as the second second place person so that they yeah. <laughs> you know they can never catch up draft uh, is possible in the fantasy premier league but but it's not very common but drafting is where it's almost like PE I like to think of it as, as when you're in PE and in my case I was always picked last so I'm practically a defense or a kicker um, but <laughs> it's where you kind of you choose you choose who is going to be on your team so one player belongs to one team one player cannot be shared between teams 
uh, which which is just such a, a good way of, of playing because it, it just makes it so much more exciting and you know if you want a player you have to really really work hard to, to be able to draft them in the position you want some players you will never have a chance of getting for instance if you're in in a league that is a 14 team league and you're drafting 12th or 13th you're not going to get the <laughs> likes of Dalvin Cook or Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley um, you're going to have to think about second tier running backs or first tier wide receivers instead so the draft is is a very key key moment uh in the year it's it's kind of circled in a lot of fantasy managers uh diaries just as uh, <laughs> as a very important time to prepare for so there are a few methodologies with drafting i think one of the key ones is that because the running back position is the arguably the shallowest maybe mm. aside from tight end you want to be choosing a, a very key, very good key running back in the first round. There are some exceptions to that. Um, I mean, in my first ever league, I chose Antonio Brown as my number one uh, pick. <laughs> I went on to win that year. So <laughs> how, time, how times have changed. <laughs> how times have changed indeed. And it's only three years ago. But yeah. I, I remember kind of getting to my position and, and choosing, uh, as I say, choosing a, a a very very good wide receiver at the time yeah. um, not so much now I don't think I would I don't think anyone would ever choose him in the first round again um, <laughs> but but as I say it's very situational so rule of thumb is generally you want to be choosing a running back out of interest Jack who was the first who was the first player you picked do you remember because I appreciate it was probably oh, a while my, ago for you my first season I remember picking I was low down again because I remember I was annoyed I got, like, got a low pick again I picked it was definitely running back Definitely running back. Oh my god, who was it? Oh, I'm struggling on that. If it comes to me, I'll pop up. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think I'll, I don't think you'll ever forget that because I think I I was somewhat lucky in that I came to the game with with no knowledge of the NFL whatsoever. So I think a podcast like this would have been quite helpful because I had to figure out what a running back was. You know, I'd never seen, a, I'd never watched a game, so I didn't know what a running back was. I didn't quite appreciate the importance of drafting running backs first and. I was just lucky that, you know, I was going off the average draft position because a lot of apps yeah. do quite handily list players as they are drafted in other leagues. So you can see where people's value lies just by virtue of what their average draft position is. And you'll often see that as ADP in apps um, when, you're, when you're doing the draft. So it's a good indicator if you're not sure who a player is, but their ADP is quite high, you can assume that they're going to be a good player yeah. to choose. I would always recommend doing your research beforehand if you can, <laughs> but I appreciate learning every player's name and who they play for and how good they are is, is not possible when you're first entering the world of fantasy, unless you are already a, a fan of the NFL. So if you're like me, things like ADP <laughs> was, was very good when I first started because I would use that. Whereas now I'm not so reliant on it because I've made my own opinions, which... Uh, I guess you know me and Jack. It's fourth podcast now. We've we've talked a lot about who we think is good, and it's not necessarily yeah. what the same as everybody else. You you do your own research, but when you when research fails and you don't have uh, any any notes to hand, ADP is a good good way of looking. So so yeah, there's fifteen rounds. I think Jack is that right? Fifteen rounds. Yeah, tends to be the typical amount. Um, I think your point there on. It is very situational, you know, if you get the first pick and then you're waiting again till 
you know, another 20 or so picks, it's going to be a very different draft to, like you said, if you're picking 12th and 13th, but then you've got another quick pick in, in succession if the draft is, is snake. Um, I think that was one of my tips. I do tend to go running back heavy in the first in the first few rounds. I tend to like to have at least three um, by the fifth round, just because, like you said, they are they are so short at the minute. Um, a good quality running back is hard to come by. Yeah, it's it, it's such a such a shallow position, and it's important to try and get the the best quality players you can at that point. I mean, when you when you're starting, because drafting works in a serpentine way, so. If you have, if you're in a ten-man league and you are pick one, your next pick will then be pick twenty because it you kind of go one through ten and then you go eleven backwards uh, to twenty. So it's kind of whoever's got pick ten would also have pick eleven, and the reason for that is to try and make it fairer because obviously if you have the best player in the NFL, <laughs> it wouldn't then be fair for you to start at 11 when number 10 has only got the 10th best player. So it's to, to even the odds a little bit. The, the drawback with that is although you have a stud running back who is going to be epic unless they get injured, you're not going to be very high up uh, getting your second player. So it's very important to choose somebody who is going to be the focal point of your team. I mean, I've never drafted higher than five personally, so I've, I've never had the Same. chance to... Uh, <laughs> The chance to go for one of those key players, but you can get bitten badly. Um, you know, Saquon Barkley was picked yep. second or third uh, in in our standard league last year, and and he was injured and out, and that is a huge loss to your team if if your number one, two, three pick is gone because you don't have as much depth behind them. You are very reliant on them playing well. Um, but such such is the way that fantasy works. You know, a lot of it is you can be the best analyst in the world, but nobody can truly predict an injury because yep. injuries are by their nature very uh, situational, and uh, you know nobody wants to be injured. It's not something you go out out of your way to be injured. It just no. happens, so it can really mess up things. So having good depth is important. So as we say, drafting tips i guess if you go for a running back in the first round that's usually a good shout if there is an absolutely incredible wide receiver in the first round and the best running backs are already off the board it can sometimes be a good idea to to jump for them uh, so players like maybe not this year with the whole aaron Rodgers issue going on but Devonte adams you know stefan diggs had an incredible year last year he's probably going to replicate that this year if you have the chance to pick up a player like that and the running backs are starting to get a little thin at the top it can be a good idea because the later you are, the the sooner your pick is going to come back around. So if you're on pick 14, you're going to have pick 15 if you're in a 14-man league. So you could go for a, a, an absolutely stud wide receiver as well as a fairly good running back um, and, and be confident that you've made the right choice. But it's all very situational. So you thread your way through, uh, taking the picks as you go. Um, you need to fill up those positions that we, we've already mentioned. So you want to try and draft two starting running backs, wide receivers. Uh, there's the flex position as well. So that usually goes to the wide receiver just because the wide receiver position is much cheaper than running back. So if you can, I mean, if you can get a running back that's a reliable flex, then good on you. You're in a good spot. You've got, <laughs> yeah, you've got some nice depth there. Tight end is a very interesting position because... There are maybe three tight ends that are, are, are really worth their salt. Uh, there's a steep drop-off kind of after the fifth best tight end, I would say. Uh, it's obviously Travis Kelsey, 
Um, yeah. George Kittle are two phenomenal uh, tight ends. We've yet to see whether Kyle Pitts will really rock the NFL like everyone's hoping he <laughs> will. Uh, Darren Waller as well is, Waller. Is, is fantastic. Mark Andrews is is good. And then after that, you kind of, you're hoping that they're going to be good. You don't have the reliance, but a tight end can really stand you out from everybody else because if if your tight end is generating 10 points more than everybody else and your running back two maybe is generating five points less, you're still coming out better because your tight end is making up the difference. Um, so if you get the chance to draft a top tight end, it's often a good idea just because you can't really find another good one very easily. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not something that you can go to the waivers for a, a phenomenal tight end very often. I mean, Tony in last year, I think, I don't know if you got him off the waivers, Jack, and you had him I in did. standard, I think. But yeah, players like that, uh, it's very, you're lucky uh, to, to, to get that. And obviously you've got the waiver wire then, which is something we'll come to. But if you're pretty low down on the waiver priority, someone else is probably going to snatch that um, that guy before you get a chance to do so. Uh that streamer, I guess you, you could refer to them as. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you work your way through and try and get as much depth as you possibly can. I think the key piece of advice is just have a read about uh, about as much as you possibly can <laughs> beforehand, which it, it's not that easy, <laughs> but just try and get yourself in the mindset of, of looking at the players who uh, uh, you know, are tipped to have a breakout because... You'll find all sorts of articles and you can go to Reddit or you can listen to fan- fancy podcasts like ours or others and, and we'll all have our own favourites. But if you have a, a favourite guy who's who's been drafted kind of in the eighth, ninth round, try and zero in on that person because after you get past round five, it, it becomes very, you know, the choice is yours as to who you take at that point because everyone is on a very much level playing field. And I think a piece of advice from me is have a look at the rookies. And that's what I've been doing for the past two years. I didn't do it in my first year, but I landed Saquon Barkley just out of luck, <laughs> which I think is why I won, Very lucky. I won yeah. that championship. <laughs> but if you can see which rookies are coming through that are going to be good, that's a key difference maker, I think, in in a regular league that isn't a dynasty league because people, the rookies are a risk and people put them to one side, but they can be so, so crucial in being that difference maker in your team who rises very quickly and is suddenly worth far more than their ADP implies. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I love that. Uh, I love that as a tip. Um, if you do pick up on a good rookie late, like you said with Barkley, then it's just if they can go off and have an absolutely amazing season, finish you know top fifteen running back, top fifteen receiver. It's it's such a, a value pick if you get them in the later rounds. Um, like you said, it, it it does win you the league. Yeah, definitely, and it's it's that comes through research, I think, and, and there is. There's a level of some people will just play fantasy just for the fun of it, and they don't they don't want to go to that level of research, which is absolutely fine. You know, at the end of the day, it's a game to play. But can't relate. But well, no, me neither anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time, maybe. But if you if you're in it to win it, then definitely sort of looking looking for those guys that you know they're not necessarily the the all round top um, mm-hmm. top people to draft. They're just people that have been tipped to do well or they might be coming into the rookie season. It's so, so important to just have a look and see who who could rise to become a, a really good player. So a kind of a terminology people use there is a high floor um, because mm-hmm. people, sorry, not a high floor, um, a high ceiling. High ceiling. Um, 
so ceiling and floor are two terms that will be banded around a little bit. So players <laughs> with a high floor are the players that are more consistent because the floor is like the lowest that you should expect them to be coming at. So mm-hmm. players like Christian McCaffrey, for instance, have got a high floor because he's going to do well no, mo- no matter what game is. Some yeah. players will have quite a low floor, but they'll have a very high ceiling. So they're your boom or bust options who, you know, they have the potential to do incredibly well. And it's often wide receivers that have lower floors and higher ceilings, I find. Uh, just because the running back often gets uh, gets their time to shine in every game. But it's those ones that have the, the higher ceilings that are worth picking up on because although they're a risky option, uh, if you're in a kind of a clutch week where you really need a difference maker, it's those players with the high ceiling that no one drafted because they've got a low floor that are going to yeah. uh, win you that game. Um yeah, I don't know if there's anything else to really suggest on drafting Jack other than to say draft kickers and defence in the last two rounds. Yeah, that was literally that was that was my notes. It was draft yeah, draft running backs high. Um we discussed the tight end and yeah, there's there's no point for me drafting a kicker or defence any any higher than the last two picks. Uh they are very rarely um difference makers. There's no point wasting a pick when you could get, like we said, a, a, a decent maybe breakout rookie in round 12 as opposed to a kicker it's it's lunacy <laughs> yeah I, I would say there are maybe one or two exceptions to that um because there are some kickers who are on teams that just generate so many points um, yeah I, I mentioned justin tucker he's he is a very good uh kicker and he often generates points he didn't do so well towards the last uh, to the end of last season however uh, which was quite surprising because I think he was on a ridiculously long streak of having never missed a field never goal. Missed. Yeah. <laughs> but then he missed four in six games or something, yeah. which is crazy. But, you know, players uh, like um, like him uh, may be worth drafting a little early if they're still there, just because it means you'll have a quality uh, player in that position. Yeah, you're, reliable. You're not going to have to yeah. worry about getting people off the waiver wire, whereas... Streaming kickers yeah, and exactly. stuff like that. Yeah. Streaming is quite... You have to be quite on it to to stream effectively because you need to know that a player is going to do well on a particular week or or at least have a good idea that they are. And sometimes having that headache week to week is not worth it. It's nicer just to know that you've got... Have a solid option. Yeah, someone reliable uh, sitting there so you don't have to worry about it. So yeah, that's drafting. So uh, that was a long section, and thank you for listening through that. (laughs) There's a lot to say about drafting, and there's so many methodologies and bits of advice and I think the only the only true piece of advice I can give you is you you just need to do your research in the deeper deeper parts of the of the draft so that you've got a nice deep team that's that's filled with quality rather than just panicking and going for ADP towards the end but it's it's an art drafting is an art and (laughs) it's it's one that uh you know even even the best drafters uh, don't necessarily see all ends and, and injuries can completely screw up your entire season even if you drafted really really well tell me about it um so with that i guess we'll move on to matchups so matchups uh, once you've once you've got your draft out of the way and you have your team every week you will play a different player within your league and it's important to uh, know who you're playing i guess just at the start it doesn't matter too much because you don't know where people are but as the as the season goes on some players will rise to become the uh, the sort of front runners who are more likely to get into the playoffs and then you'll have other other teams other managers who start to lag behind so you can you can play that to your advantage to a level mm-hmm. to a, to an extent because you you're well you're always going to put your best team forward but 
when it comes to trades and uh, waivers and injuries, that knowing who you're playing in a matchup is very important because it means you can make the right choice as to what to do for your team. So a good example is uh, all players have one bye week, which means that player doesn't play that week. If your team has, I don't know, four or five players with the same bye, sometimes <laughs> it's better to just take that week as a write-off if you can afford to do so obviously sometimes yeah. you have to win every single game to get through but if you were to approach that game as like i must win this game i'm going to drop two of my star players to pick up two people from the waivers because that means i'm more likely to win this game is that the right choice to make probably not because come next week your players that you've dropped will have probably been picked up Definitely by somebody gone. else <laughs> and yeah that's that's the uh, that's how you can fail and that's a very common rookie mistake um, I think we've seen it in our leagues where really good players have been dropped just just because yes, a team has wanted to win that week <laughs> and it's not the way to play. Sometimes you have to take the defeats to make your team go all the way in the other in the other matchups. Yeah, I completely agree. I think playing the matchups is really important. I'm, I'm not sure if you do this, but at the start of the season, I do. I set my lineups for every single week. If that makes sense, oh, I will very, go ahead yeah, I don't to do week that. seven, eight, nine, ten. I will look at who his bye weeks are and who my bye weeks are, and I will set the perfect lineup already. I think, like you said, it is. There's no point dropping some good players if you are in a good enough position. You've had a few wins under your belt. Don't drop the good players. Just field the best possible lineup, and like you said, almost almost take the defeat. Um, but it is so important to plan ahead. I think that's maybe one point we missed on the draft is is do account for bye weeks because it can leave you very very short. Yeah, and it's it, it's a hard one to, to to reconcile with. I know last year I I decided that I was going to try and stack my bye weeks together so that yeah I think it was matchup six and seven last year. I almost knew I was going to lose those two. But it meant that I, I was very strong for the rest of the season. Rest of the way. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's... Because I suppose you could take that piece of advice as saying, basically, oh, we'll make sure that your bye weeks don't all fall at the same time, which means your team is consistently strong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do find, in, in the experience I've had, that if you deliberately go for a week week which is yep. weird if you see yeah, what yeah. i mean it's, no i get it sounds yeah. the same but but a week a week um that can mean that you're just so much more powerful uh, for the rest of the season it's but again that's that's a manager's choice we can't yep. tell you which one is the right thing to do because at the end of the day <laughs> it, it depends on how your matchups fall it depends who you're playing with it depends who your players are it depends who's injured there are so many other factors but I, I just find that if, if you're playing the odds game, it's better to just know that you're going to lose one or two games rather than lose key games that you absolutely needed to win. Yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, I think I, I usually do try and do it like that. Um, I think I would rather have, say, two weeks where I had all my bye weeks out of the way and then the rest of the weeks I had literally no one on buys because then I'm at full strength for, you know, 90% of the season. Whereas, like I said, when I when I plan ahead, if I see, say, someone's got three players on bye weeks, I almost know I'm going to win that matchup at that point because I know I've got no one on bye weeks because they're already done, like you said. Yeah, yeah. it's it. That's just another another thing to think about, I guess. Um, so we're, 
we're reaching the, the sort of halfway point, I guess, of, uh, as to all the advice we're going to give. I appreciate there's a lot to take in. So. <laughs> but fantasy, <laughs> fantasy is great for that, that that very reason. There is so much to to think about and to do, and yet you can quite happily and sometimes merrily, if luck is on your side, coast your way through to a playoff game without really doing much research <laughs> and, and listening to podcasts like this just by virtue of luck. <laughs> Which brings us on to one of the kind of most controversial topics which is injuries. Um, and we've already prefaced this in this podcast many times about, we've mentioned injuries so much already, but it is just such a, such a <laughs> difficult part of the game to be able to, to reconcile with. And it can leave you feeling very, very heartbroken and upset when things don't necessarily go your way. Yeah. Um, I mean, last season I thought I drafted superbly. Um, the app told me I drafted superbly. But you know, two injuries out of my first five picks, and you 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 know you're immediately on the back foot. Like we said earlier, first round pick goes down, it leaves such a hole in your team. It is tough to recover from. Um, but I think that's why it's so important to try and get that depth. Um, and as we'll come on to, the waiver wise is such a big part of it as well. Like Connor said, there isn't really any way to play around injuries. It is almost just it is just luck or bad luck in most cases. But you've just got to be prepared, play the waivers, try and draft depth. I think that's the, the biggest two things. Yeah, definitely. I think the waivers really come into it when, when uh, injuries fall. My methodology last year was that I wasn't going to pick up a second quarterback. I was yep, just going to have one quarterback. That quarterback was Dak Prescott, and he was injured <laughs> week five, and he didn't come back. So I managed to limp to a championship and win it, but... It, it, which I guess you should take as a lesson. You don't necessarily have to have mm. that contingency at the time. I was still able to lose Dak Prescott, who's probably a top five quarterback, um, and still still make it through. And the reason I made it through was through streaming. I mean, in my yep. championship game, my quarterback was <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky. And oh, so God. let that sink in. Um, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I never thought that I would play Mitch Trubisky in a championship game, but but that's where I ended up. Um, I think I fits magic for a little bit. I was I was basically streaming from week to week for, in the quarterback position for much of the season last year after I lost Dak. Luckily, the rest of my team, I didn't get any major injuries. So when you've got one injury like that, you either draft with that contingency in mind. So this year, once bitten twice shy, I might have a second quarterback on my bench just because, you know, when you get into the point where you're playing Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> you're sweating a little bit. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you just wouldn't this year, would you? Now he's gone to the Bills, I guess. But no. um, it, it's the players of that calibre that are left when you lose your key star man. And, and it's, hard, it's a hard pill to swallow if you've not drafted in such a way that you've got kind of a QB2 who you can just drop in there who's going to assume that role in a good way so I guess the advice there is you can go for you can play defensively or you can play offensively and I think when you're playing offensively and you're not playing with contingency your team is going to be stronger um, but it's not going to be deeper Um, Mm -hmm. so so it's it's tricky from that point of view um, but if you lose two players or three players, that's that's when things start to get really. That's difficult. when it's over. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And um, it, and it also depends on where you were um, positionally in the draft order as well. I, you know, if you're first and your number one player goes out, there are going to have been nineteen other players drafted before your number your one player pick. who remains, which yeah. is that's a lot of players. 
it's a tricky one. It, it really is. But I suppose the only advice you can give for injuries is is also to diagnose what the injury is. So if someone tears their ACL, they're not going to be playing again that season. No. <laughs> so you want to drop them straight away. But if someone just gets kind of a, a an ankle sprain or something, depending on the severity of the ankle sprain, mind you, they might be back in three or four weeks. So it's not necessarily yeah. worth dropping them. I know Miles Gaskin was dropped last year in our league because he had an injury of some description and I I quickly picked him up picked off the waiver wire knowing that he wouldn't be playing for me for a few weeks but he he was in my championship game and I think he, he scored big, 40 on points he, he, he was did. incredible that week so it's injuries injuries are it's so much more than just being upset that the player's gone it's also an opportunity especially for a team that's that's contending that if a decent player is injured and uh, you know a team that's contending needs someone to replace them and has to drop them you mm-hmm. can sometimes drop in there if you've got the squad depth and, and pick them up which will help you later on. So I guess that's all we can kind of say for injuries. I'm sure we're going to keep mentioning injuries as we carry on, but <laughs> it, it's a huge topic. And then the next topic is my favourite of all of them, and that's trading. <laughs> that's um, so trading is a weird and wonderful world of of all kinds of, of different ideas. <laughs> so trading is it's an interesting one because the value you place on a player is probably going to be different to the value somebody else places on a player. Mm-hmm. And with trading, you always want to come out on top. And that's the yeah. difficult <laughs> thing about trading is that you have to settle on a deal that is good for both parties. So it's very rare that you see somebody trade a running back for a running back, for instance, because to, to reconcile that, you know, you have to be sure that the running back you are giving away is not going to be better than the running back that you're receiving. Whereas if you go and cross position so if you're trading a tight end like Travis Kelsey for instance you could trade a high value running back for Travis Kelsey because it's a difference in position so you receiving Travis Kelsey and giving away a running back if you've got depth at running back you're benefiting because your tight end position is instantly upgraded but your uh, trade partner is benefiting because their potentially shallow running back roster is instantly deep uh, sort of you know deepened I guess We've had some interesting trades. We've had some controversial <laughs> trades in our time. Oh, yeah. um, Jack, as commissioner, you you often uh, approve the trade straight off. If things start bordering on controversial, however, you've been known to put it to a vote for the league so that everyone can have their say in what they think the trade is like, especially if it seems to be quite heavily in favour of one player. Yeah, I think, like you said, I think luckily our league, we are at the point now where I, I don't think anyone's going to get sort of you know, ruined off a trade. I think everyone's smart enough now to to make a fair trade. Um, I think a good point to make on that is in our leagues now as commissioner, I have sort of stopped trades a couple of weeks before the playoffs now, um, just to stop any funny business. Yeah. Um, there was a, a trade a few years back that was controversial, uh, which I did put to a vote and it went through. Um, but I think with with trades, it is, it's a tough one because, like you said, everyone's going to rank the players differently. And then there's always that thing, like, if I get a trade sent through, even though I do lots of research, sometimes I do think to myself, oh, well, why is he giving me him? Like, should I keep this guy, if that makes sense? But I think you've just got to back yourself. If you've done your research and you like a player more than the player you're giving up, I think you've just got to back yourself, do your research and, and sort of get it done. Um, trades are such a big part of the game. Uh, discussing injuries earlier, um, that is, you know, trading is one way you can get yourself out of a, a sticky situation with injuries. I remember in our first year, I, I started 0 6 
due to two injuries yes, uh, yes. two injuries at running back. I threw the kitchen sink at it and traded away my I believe actually it was my top pick. I I drafted Michael Thomas first overall. Um I traded him away for three pieces and ended up finishing finishing the season on a six six game winning streak. So you can get yourself out of those tough spots with trades. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's a good it's a good story to tell really because of that reason. You know, sometimes it's a trade is what is it enough to sort of bring your team up from from basically rock bottom. Oh yeah, the brink. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you you almost made playoffs that year. Um, and I guess it's it's a bit of a running commentary that, that poor old Jack hasn't oh. made playoffs in our standard league yet. This is this but, is the but, year though. This is the year. This is the. I'm, I'm <laughs> confident for you, my friend. Um, but um, but but it's, there's a lesson to be to be learned there. The fact that you were able to to go from zero and six to six and six is is incredible. You know, it's not something yep. that really happens very often. To have a six game winning streak is you know it's very impressive. Um, I mean, it's not quite as good as a, you know, twelve-game winning streak, but you know, um, <laughs> but even still, the fact that you were able to analyze your team to see, you know, these are the key players that other people will want, yeah, um, and I can get this in return. That they're the kind of decisions that you need to make. One player might be incredible, but if you can get two players that are going to give you more value, trade them away. Especially if if the team that you're trading to is more than happy to do that trade. I think one of the challenging things we find is that a lot of trades are proposed, but I would say maybe 20% of the trades proposed actually go through. I I would love to know what the actual statistic is in our league because I bet it's something like that. I know I fired off some random trades and I always try try and look at both sides. I I try and provide players that... Mm that I feel would benefit the team that I'm trading with. Um, I, I, it's not often that I try and... You're a nice person. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I try and be, but because there's no point sending a trade if it's just going to be rejected. Yeah, um, 100%. It, sometimes it's worth trying your luck. I mean, never start with your best offer, I guess is the key thing to say. So if you, if you know the value <laughs> of a player, always start at about 75% and then maybe work your way up. And if you if you are starting at hundred percent, just be upfront about it and sort of say, "Look, I'm not negotiating on this one. This is you know this, this is, is all or nothing." But it's nice to have that conversation because you have to remember the other the other player will want to look at your team and they might like a different player on your team. Yeah, uh, and you might you know you might have two players that you feel the same about, mm-hmm. and you offer one, but they wanted the other, and and that's fine to then swap at that point. So there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance and negotiation to trading. It's not very often you just send a, a trade through and it's just accepted instantly. No, <laughs> there's not unless quite... you've been speaking for days about it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so trading is is crucial, and trading can win you championships. It, it's you know it's so so important to to look at the team you have and and admit to yourself that yep. sometimes your stud player might be better off on another team if it means you get two decent players back or a decent player in a different position back. Um, So next up is waivers. So we've mentioned waivers a little bit. So waivers are kind of, obviously not every player will be drafted by a team. So there are a lot of players that just sit in free agency uh, waiting to be be picked up. And these players are often not worth having (laughs) in the first instance. (laughs) There's a reason why they've not been picked up. It's only after the season begins and, you know, you might have an injury to a particular player, which means they're the, the term used is handcuff. Um, 
so that that's a player who's kind of sits behind the main player so that when the main player is injured they take that position so a really good example for that was last year when Christian McCaffrey was injured yeah. uh, Mike Davis his, Mike Davis his handcuff became an incredible running back now it's rare that a running back handcuff becomes as good as Mike Davis was last year I don't know <laughs> of any handcuffs that, that played as well as he did not that good um, <laughs> not since I've started playing fantasy anyway but the, the key thing to remember is it can happen so Waivers are important because players on there will rise and fall and their value will rise and fall. Chase Claypool wasn't drafted no. last year. I think Tom picked him up in week six or something after he had his breakout game and suddenly Chase Claypool was quite a good player to have. But it's hard to know that that's going to happen until, especially with rookies, they've had their chance to, to jump into that position. So it's it's so important to keep your eye on the waiver wire to see who you know who's better than, than, than the, the backups, the substitutes that you have on your bench. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think the waivers play such an important role. You've got to be all over it. You've got to have you know notifications turned on. Watch out for those breakout performances. Um, I think planning ahead is really important as well. Um, as you mentioned earlier, Connor, I know you said you only draft one quarterback, um, but like planning ahead to that week that you'll need to stream a quarterback, I think is really important as well. Yes. Just so you've got, you know, you've got that player that you're able to just get rid of and trade for a quarterback um, off the waiver wire. I think the only other thing to say would it would be um, there is also, I guess, a couple of ways of doing waivers. The way we do it in our standard league is just a preset order which changes each week depending on um, the position you're in. I think the most important thing with that one is it's it's not always down to you. Um, even if you put the requests in, if you're not first priority, the chances are you're not going to get him. Um, whereas in our dynasty league, we do it based on like a like a, a bidding system. Yeah. Um, which I've got to be honest, I think I do prefer because I think then if everyone does their research, it's a little bit more fair and you can still get the play you want despite the order. Yeah, you have a say of, you know, what is this worth to you, which is exactly. it's a very powerful tool to have. And I think you can even trade. So it's like dollars, isn't it, on the, it is, on the yeah. sleeper app? So you can trade them to other players, uh, which I think is quite a nice little... It's a form of currency, I guess. Um, because you, you never know who's going to be the next star and it can be people who were who were never drafted or drafted in late rounds that just kind of were were left to one side and if if they suddenly have a really good game um and it's a position that you're weak at so for instance if you know a backup running back becomes excellent i know that obviously the jaguars last year that the running back situation for the jags was all over the place nobody knew who the breakout star was going to be yeah it happened to be robinson um, but nobody knew that, there were, and there were a lot of options that you know people yeah. could choose from. So in that case, he would have been an ideal person to grab off the waiver wire. So it's, it is a key thing to, to to remember that that is there, and that you can use that really to your advantage. So then I suppose we 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 come back to kind of the the rules of the game a little bit more, which is which is playoffs. So usually, uh, or the way that we've been playing mainly is that we have six playoff positions. Uh, the top two players, so the players who win the most games um, within the regular season, they're awarded with a with a bye week, so they don't play anybody in the in the first round of the playoffs, which means they're automatically semi finalists essentially. Yeah. And then anybody who hasn't achieved so so basically position three through to six, they uh, they play each other. So I believe it's third place sixth and. Yeah, fourth place fourth fifth, fifth. so it's, if you're third obviously you've had a good season so you're rewarded with playing against 
arguably the weakest player who's entering the playoffs. Anybody who hasn't made the playoffs, so the other the other teams, they all play each other for kind of consolation brackets to see where they ultimately ended up. Hmm. Um, I think it, it's just a, <laughs> it's a way of keeping people interested, <laughs> even though <laughs> their, their hopes of, of uh, reaching that ship uh, have unfortunately uh, sailed by. Um, so yeah, you've got your, your quarterfinals, which... I think quarterfinals are some of the scariest of all because you have made the playoffs, but if you fall at that first hurdle, it, yeah, it, that's it. It's a heartbreaking, heartbreaking yeah. loss. Uh, so you really want to be getting uh, first or second place if you can during the regular season, just so that you don't have that uh, that stress on week fourteen when you're uh, when you're battling <laughs> to get through to the to the semifinals. Um, and then obviously you've got the semi-finals so, so those teams who have had the bye week who have rested up uh, it's their turn to, to enter the fray and then whoever wins out of those two, uh, those two games goes on to the, the championship game and it's, it's very much a winner takes it all uh, situation especially for us we do have a paid league so we all put money in at the start of the season and then whoever wins just gives it straight to Connor. Um, yeah, basically, <laughs> to give it to me. <laughs> there's, there's no point. There's no point even awarding it. Is it? Um, <laughs> so that's that's. Uh, yeah, I've, I mean, I've I've lost a championship game and I've won a championship game, and I can tell you, I think losing when you've got all the way to the end, and the loss that I had was horrendous. I just all my players were injured or practically t- just <laughs> wiped out when I got to the end, and I was just like, yeah, this I'm not going to win this one anyway. So at least I'd geared up. But there's still that hope there that somehow some of you players are just going to pull worldies and, and they didn't that year. But <laughs> it's it's a very tough pill to swallow when you've got all the way to the end. Uh, you know, you've battled every other player, especially when it's it was 12 man, I think, that year. So it's, you know, the other 10 people, you are one of two out of those 12 people to get there. <laughs> and then suddenly your world is just turned upside down when you lose. But it's uh, it's all part of the fun and of, of the game, I guess. And it, it just means you have to pick yourself up and, and go again. Um, but yeah, the first the first key goal is, is getting to those playoff games, I guess, which, you know, the vast majority, well, the majority of teams don't manage to do it, especially in, well, in 12-man leagues, half the teams make it. In 14, you, you've got only six out of the, six. Out of the 14. I guess in 10-man, it's, it's easier because only four teams don't actually get in there. So it's, it's kind of easier to get into the playoffs than not. Um, but once you're in there, it's just it's dog-eat-dog. It doesn't matter it's how well carnage. you've done in the season. <laughs> the season doesn't matter anymore. It's, it's all about what's happening there and then. Yeah, I think the only thing, the other thing I'd say on 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 playoffs is, is as commissioner, I think it's important to set the playoffs at the right time as well. Mm. Um, I don't know many people who do this, but you can set the championship week for the last game of the regular season, which I don't like doing too much, just because there is always that chance of, you know, if the Chiefs go sixteen and zero, they're probably resting Patrick Mahomes the last week of the season, and then some someone's team's probably ruined. So yeah. I think usually have the the championship game usually the week before the last game of the season, I think's a big thing. Yeah, and you can safely assume that a lot of the teams that make it through to that championship game do have players on the key teams that are doing yeah. well that year. Exactly. Um, so as you say, if, if if they're resting key players, then <laughs> You'd be fuming. It's, it's, it's pretty bad for, for a championship <laughs> team. Like you say, I mean, if, if can you imagine if you got all the <laughs> way there all that way. and Pat Mahomes <laughs> is just like, you know what? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to put my feet one. up this week. Yeah. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be horrendous. Uh, you also stop trading, as, as you mentioned before, don't you, Jack? Um, yeah. Just before 
the championships, which I guess is so that, you know, you can't just give your best play. You know, if you've missed the playoffs um, for sure, you can't just offload your best players to your best mate so that he goes on and wins it. It's it's, yeah. it's more of a, yeah, you, you kind of stuck with the team that you've drafted. So it's, it's more you got there off off your own achievements rather than just exactly, by a rather nice, nice charm. trades. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so that's the kind of playoffs and championship. So ultimately, you are playing for that championship. That is, you go into the draft wanting to win the league, and that's that's the that's the thing that you've got to try and achieve. And it's not an easy thing to do, especially when you have more people in the league. It, it gets harder and harder, but um, it's that's what everybody's trying to do there. So all the pieces of advice, I guess, up until now that we've given you are all just so that you can try and get to that point with the best possible team so that you're in the best possible chance of winning. And at the end of the day, it's a game of chance. You know, you, you don't know what's going to happen during the season, but there are things you can do to, to mitigate risk, such as drafting exactly. deep, such as researching which rookies are going to break out, such as uh, knowing how to play the injury uh, game and, and knowing when to trade for injured players and when to drop them. All these things help give you a better chance of getting to that championship game and, and ultimately winning. So we're going to go on briefly and just have a little chat about dynasty differences because the, the dynasty format is quite different to the sort of standard uh, standard league format. But before we do that, is there any are there any other words of wisdom from Mr. Dixon about about the uh, the world of fantasy? No, I think I think you summed it up perfectly. It is at the end of the day, it is a game of chance, but you, the things we've discussed today, like you said, it is always about eliminating risk. Um, don't just rock up having done no research. Although you could get lucky, the chances are you probably won't. Do your research, pay attention each week, stick on the trades, be all over the waivers. You know, know your league. And yeah, like we said, you you might be one of the lucky ones to get to that championship game. You've just reminded me of one extra thing there, where you said know your league, and that is that is so important because when you're playing with NFL fans, they have <laughs> their own teams and they have players that they love beyond all reason yeah. and, they, and, and you can use that to your advantage so an example from our league is we all know that, that Rohan is a huge Buccaneers fan so the chances are if you have a decent Buccaneers player you can probably get a slightly better player off Rohan for the Buccaneers player because he wants the Buccaneers player um I mean, he's probably listening to this and, and laughing at me and telling me I'm a cheeky sod, um, which I am. Um, but <laughs> but it's a it's a good thing to do. You know, I'm I'm a Vikings fan. I absolutely love Adam Thielen. You could probably fetch a quite a high price from me if you were to trade Adam Thielen to me uh, in standard in dynasty. <laughs> I appreciate that he's getting older and it, it upsets me, but. I'm trying to be sensible, but if you know that a player has a huge affinity, sorry, a, a manager, I guess we should call ourselves, has a huge affinity to a particular player or a particular team, you can use that to your advantage. You just have to know that. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a good good comment you made there, Jack. It, I think it was just worth exploring. So with dynasty differences, I guess we should start with drafting. So da drafting in dynasty is very, very different to drafting in a, in a standard league because... Within the standard, you lose everybody at the end of the season. You know that is your team for the season. So it doesn't matter if you've got veterans in your team, because yeah. you know you probably want them. Whereas in dynasty, going for a veteran comes with the pay. It kind of comes with a double-edged sword. You're getting a player that is very good, that has proven themselves, that you know is going to perform well, but they're always older. Uh, they're not going to do that forever. 
So do you go for those older veterans or do you go for the younger rookies who are not as quite as tried and tested but could prove to be a permanent fixture on your team for years to come? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, the, the dynasty draft we did, um, obviously last year, was was so different to the regular season draft. The, you know, the positions players were going, um, the sort of strategies people were using. And I think, like you said, it's one of those things, you've got, you've got to try and strike that balance. I think if you've listened to our earlier episodes, there's, there's a few teams in our league on, on the older side, and, you know, there is a few teams in our league on the younger side, so you can sort of tell which way they're going. Um, some teams have just gone old in the hopes of winning the championship pretty quickly, I assume. And then, obviously, those who have gone younger, they're going to have you know a hell of a team a few years down the line. Yeah, exactly. And I think positionally as well, things are very different. So a quarterback is probably worth far, far more uh, than, than in the usual league just because of longevity. So uh, I picked Pat Mahomes in the first round yep. of our dynasty draft, which... You know, usually picking a quarterback first round is not an advice that anybody would give you, but because I, you know, he is he is a star, he is he is incredible, and he's very young. Having a player like that on my team means yeah. that my quarterback position at QB one is Solid. sorted for potentially decades, which yeah. is so valuable to have. Whereas if you look at running backs, running backs by the time they're sort of hitting their sort of twenty sixth, twenty seventh birthdays, they're on the decline at that point. Yeah, they, and they're coming into the league at twenty one, twenty two. You're only going to get four years of quality production out of a running back, so you have to have a high turnover. And then you jump to wide receivers. Wide receivers can quite comfortably play into their thirties, so you could have a wide receiver. Justin Jefferson, for instance, had a breakout rookie year. He's probably going to be at the top of his game for another ten years, which yeah. means that you know Elliot, who has him, is sorted at that position. So it's. There's so many more things to think about from that point of view because you have to be able to replace the players that are getting mm-hmm. old with quality players that are younger. But that replacement process is is risky. And as we say, fantasy is all about mitigating risk. So you have to be careful who you choose to, to do that. Yeah, I think um, that's a fantastic point on the quarterbacks because I, I, when we drafted, I didn't expect quarterbacks to go as quick as they did. I knew I wanted to pick running back first. But then by the third round, pretty much everyone was gone and I was forced to pick Russell Wilson, um, which isn't bad. Um, but I think, like you said, I'd rather be in the situation where my quarterback going into the rookie draft, which we'll discuss later, is solid every year and say just after draft a couple of running backs, than take a swing on a quarterback and potentially miss. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, if So if we were to do our, our draft again, would you... Would you have considered drafting a quarterback looking back, or do you feel like your method worked for you? I think, I think, I, no, I think I, I've been honest with myself. I think I, I would have taken one earlier, maybe not first round, but certainly second round. Um, you know, maybe Kyler Murray, Josh Allen, someone like that. I think I'm happy with Wilson, but I think I, I don't have quite as long with him as I'd like. Um, and my second and third quarterbacks aren't as good, so I think I probably would have picked differently. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a hard one to call. I, I think because I think I think Sam drafted first potentially, or maybe. Uh, I, I think yeah, because he went Lamar Jackson, didn't he? Yeah, so Lamar Jackson, I think, was taken first off the board, which was a bit of a shock to everybody because yeah, because quarterback had gone. So Lamar Jackson was taken, but obviously as a fantasy asset, he is he is fantastic because he yeah. is that dual threat of of rushing and passing. 
maybe not so good on the passing, but <laughs> you know, he's room to improve. And then I believe Kieran was second, and he selected he Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, yeah. Um, because I was third, and I thought, I thought when the quarterback started going, I really wanted Pat Mahomes. He was my target. And I thought, oh, I've had it. But the fact that Kieran chose Kyler Murray and then I was able to get Pat Mahomes was I was very pleased with that. But I mean, it, it it generates interesting teams because Elliot then drafted Derek Henry and Dalvin Cook. So he mm-hmm. has two players that, you know, no team in any draft would have yeah, you know, any standard draft would have <laughs> those two players. It just wouldn't happen. They they'd be gone no. by pick five. But because it was dynasty and it was different, Elliot's kind of put himself into a prime position with those running backs. And then I think he picked up DeAndre Hopkins, but he was similar to you in that he had Aaron Rodgers as his quarterback, who is an older quarterback. So yep. he's going to have to address that position sooner. Yeah, um, exactly. And also his running backs, you know, Derek Henry is, I, th- I don't think he's going to get another 2,000 yard season. He might prove me wrong, but, you know. <laughs> the fact that he's got two running backs who are in their prime means Elliot's team is excellent for the next two years. But after that, he's going to have to replace those players sooner than teams who have younger running backs, for instance. So he he was clever in that he positioned himself to win very early on. Whereas yeah. if you look at Kieran's team, for instance, Kieran's mm-hmm. team is it's not a winning team yet, but he has so many young quality players. You know, he's got Cam Akers and he's got his... Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb. He's yeah. got these players who, Kyler Murray, it's a very, very young team, as you mentioned in the first podcast. I think his is the, the youngest by far in our by league. A mile. Which means as his team grows older, they are going to get better. And he's also got picks, so he can keep supplementing that with mm-hmm. with uh, younger players. But, you know, Kieran now has the, the beautiful opportunity of, because his team is so young, draft picks aren't as valuable to him anymore. So he, so can, he can trade his them. picks for the veterans that could win him championships in the next year or two, which, you know, he's, he was quite, I think out of everybody, Kieran was the most active with his trading during the drafting. And, and yeah. it makes sense because he, he is in he a prime position to do much. that. Exactly. Yeah. So there are lots of different ways to approach it. I think I'm really happy with the way I did it. Um, I, I wouldn't have changed the thing <laughs> apart from not trading Antonio bloody Gibson. Um, <laughs> but I tried to strike a balance, so I went for older wide receivers, younger running backs, young quarterback, older tight end, um, just because I knew that Kelsey is a championship winner. I I wanted him on my team, Um, but he's only going to be that way for another couple of years. He's he's getting on, so it's you have to you have to be so careful with how you do it. It's such a such a nuanced way of drafting that it is very different to standard because you are thinking about your team now but also mm-hmm. in the future but at the end of the day the whole point of playing the game is to win so yeah. you don't want to put yourself necessarily in a rebuild straight away so it's so a rebuilding teams are teams that might have one or two fantastic veteran players but but the rest of the team isn't that good so players will trade away their vets in return for picks because they'll know that they're not going to win that year but they might win it in a year or two down the line so they're, they're trying to future-proof their team instead and then you have contending teams, which are the teams that are more than likely going to make the playoffs in that year. So th- there's a lot of differences with Dynasty in, in that sense because you don't get a clean slate after the year's finished. Yeah, and I think that's that's the reason I love it. Like, so much can happen. I, I think if I look at my team now, 
I, I would imagine it will be maybe, what, 60% the same in two or three years, I reckon. Yeah. Because like you said, you could, you know, Russell Wilson might have, say, five good quality years left, but then I might be, if he has a good season in, say, if he has an MVP season in two years, I might use that to trade him for two first-round picks. There's so many different possibilities. Yeah, yeah. And tr- tr- I guess we'll move on to trading now. So trading is is even bigger in Dynasty than anything else because... Because of the ramifications, if you trade a player, that's your player in perpetuity until they retire or until you trade them again because you're not losing them at that point. So trading is is more interesting. And you also have picks to trade as well. So it's not just players. You're also trading with the, the, the potential for you to draft um, new players who are coming up from college as well. So it, there's a lot more to it. And I noticed a lot of the trades that, that were made last year during the regular season, mm-hmm. they were often... Because trades aren't necessarily like for like, you often found that there was the odd third round pick or second round just pick thrown in, in there, yeah. just to sweeten the deal. Sweeten the deal, which you know could it could be a good thing. A second round pick could be a fantastic thing for your team. Then again, the, the second round pick might might not be that valuable for your team. It's just such a gamble. So you you have you have this kind of. Uh, almost a loot box, this mystery crate <laughs> that you can use as well, where you don't know what that pick is going to materialize into. It might be better, it might be worse, but it's that chance of, you know, if you if you draft the next Justin Jefferson out of a second round pick that was traded to you in a in just kind of a throwaway trade halfway through the season, that's going to set you up for years to come. <laughs> Equally, it, you might just draft a dud and, you know, it might have been a waste of a pick. So... There is a lot more to to dynasty trading for sure. Yeah, I am. Some of the trades last year, and especially when we when we did the rookie draft, were absolutely fantastic to see. Um, I know the first trade I made, which might surprise people, was I my first overall pick in the actual original dynasty draft was Zeke Elliott, but I actually have since traded him away. So we'll only time will tell if that was a good move or not. Um, but I think looking at my team, I was in the position to. I've still got good depth of receiver. I've still got good depth of running back. I just don't really like Zeke. I don't think he's he's very good. So I traded him away and got three players. And like Connor said, I got a second rounder out of it. So Yeah, and that could prove decisive in the future. And I think it was to Tom, wasn't it? And, and Tom's, mm-hmm. Tom's benefited from that trade because he's got you know a running back that that could be solid. Hopefully Zeke will go back to his winning ways for, for Tom, but hopefully he won't for Jack. But it, there is, that's that's the beauty of it is, you know, you don't know what's going to happen with that player in the future. And I mean, I'm scared of Tom's team this year. And I know I, I am a little as well. I shouldn't be talking about the Dynasty stuff on this particular episode, but yeah, I keep looking at it and thinking, wow, he's, he's really amassed a very good team now, especially now his tight end position, which was the weakest has been filled. He's, He's sorted, and he still got a fourth, <laughs> fourth overall pick last year. So he did, he did well. The perfect season. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's done a good job. So I think he's going to be a, a massive contender, um, for sure. So so trading, yeah, trading is crucial, crucial in dynasty. But as I say, because of the because of the factors including the picks, because of the factors including the age of the players that you're trading as well, mm-hmm. that's another crucial thing. You know, if you're looking at Adam Thielen. Who is a fantastic player, and I think he's going to be another. He's going to have another good season next year. I can't see why he wouldn't, especially playing alongside um, Justin Jefferson, who has proven to the NFL how good he is. Who yeah. is going to be probably the target he's man for most defenses now. Yeah, Adam Thielen's kind of slipping into that wide receiver two spot, so he's going to 
he's going to be more free, I think. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he plays. But his value isn't as... as you know, if he was, what, five years younger, he'd be worth multiple first-round picks easily. Oh, yeah. Easily. But because he is in his 30s now, I mean, you're looking at sort of a second-round pick, maybe a first-round if you really push it, just because he's only going to be on your team for a year or two before he's not worth anything anymore. So it's it's that longevity. I mean, for a contending team, he's really useful to have there because he'll probably help you this season. But if you're looking at keeping him for a long time... Uh, that's not there, so it just changes the whole dynamic of of how you of how you trade. The quality of the player might be worse, but because they're younger, they're worth more, and that's just such a crazy aspect of the game. Yeah, like yeah, that's a feeling's a perfect example. Uh, looking at it at the minute, is is ADP's um, back end of the fourth round, so it's for which is mental for a player of Thielen's quality. Because uh, I agree with you, I think he could easily, definitely get into double digit touchdowns again this year. Yeah, but it, it's just his age. That's, yeah, that's, it's just the age. That's that's the that's the thing. But it's something that you can you should keep an eye on. I think is the age of players because because they do decrease in value. If you are a contending contending team, sometimes it's worth just trading away a second or a first just to be able to get a veteran player who's going to help you out for that year. You might not be as interested in the longevity of a slightly lesser player just because. You know, you need the points now. So it's important to have yep. a look at your team and know where you stand and make the trades based on that. And then finally, the last thing uh, for Dynasty uh, that we'll discuss is the rookie draft, which again is completely different to the other two <laughs> drafts that we've discussed on this particular episode. <laughs> yeah, uh, the rookie draft was, I mean, obviously that was new for us all at the time. That's the first one we've ever done. Um, even for me, I've been playing 10 years. I've never just done a rookie draft. Um, so it was certainly interesting to see. I think my best advice with the rookie draft is, like we've just been discussing, the ramifications are, are so far-reaching. You know, you really do have to do your research. I only started watching college football a couple of years back, um, but in doing so, that really gave me some knowledge to give me an idea as, as to who I wanted to take in those in those first few rounds. Yeah, and, and that's that brings us quite nicely onto... onto a little bit of news so our next episode that we're going to bring out will be a very premature forecast uh, to to the dynasty rookie draft for next year for our league and we are inviting a very special guest on the show we'll be having rohan um so we we've mentioned rohan a few times obviously he's he's the big books fan that i mentioned previously um but he is an avid college football fan so his his knowledge um, he's going to impart some of his knowledge upon us uh, next week. Hope he won't impart too much. I know what he's like. No. He'll, he'll keep his cards close <laughs> to his chest. He was very flippant when I mentioned Carl Pitts about four months ago. Uh, I think he was trying to persuade me not to go for him. Um, <laughs> but no, he he will he will join us and he'll have a bit of a discussion about that. And it'll be interesting to hear what his thoughts are on it because if if we look at the the way he worked on the on the draft this year, he had the most picks out of everybody because yeah. I think he has more of an eye. I guess than any of the rest of us, uh, as to who who is going to be uh, the next big thing. So, I think for for people like Rohan and yourself who watch college football and you're able to to identify these these rookies who are rising stars, mm-hmm. it's such an important thing to be able to do. Yeah, completely completely agree. Um, I think Rohan's going to be an interesting guest to have on because he well he knows even more than I do about the the college game. 
Um, like you said, I'm not sure how much we'll get out of him because I don't think he'll want to give too much away, but I am certainly interested to, to see. Fantastic. So that's everything, I guess, for the, for our special one-off episode. Um, so we've been through positions, points per position, number of teams, drafting, matchups, injuries, trading, waivers, playoffs, championships, and the dynasty differences as well. So hopefully that's a good, well-rounded account of how fantasy works, and hopefully you found it quite interesting. For those of you who just happened to listen to this just to, to hear our beautiful voices, thank you very much for sticking with us. Uh, if there's anything that you'd like to correct us on, do let us know. You can get in touch with us over on, on Facebook or through Instagram. It'd be interesting to hear if there are any other key tips that you would offer any newcomers to the game so that we can impart those upon them. Um, yeah, and next time we'll join you with Rohan with our with our very premature forecast for, for the 2022 draft so we can have a look and see who we think are going to be the key uh, playmakers that join us in the league next year. Uh, so thank you very much for joining. Any parting words of wisdom, Jack? No, I just, yeah, thanks again for listening. Um, four episodes in, we're really enjoying it. Like uh, Connor said, any tips that you've got, um, I know I could do with them. I want to win as much as Connor does. Uh, so yeah, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next one. See you later. <laughs>